and welcome back to Harry Potter and the Reread Podcast. I'm your host, David Jansen. Joined as always by my co-host, Kyle. Kyle, how are you? I'm excellent. Swimming. We got an awesome episode here. A morning episode. I had the sun kind of gleaming out. There it is now. We don't normally do this with coffee, no. but it's a beautiful Saturday morning. Well, speak for yourself. I actually feel like I feel like I often have coffee when we're doing these, but often iced coffee. Ice, yeah, that's true. I have seen you with an iced coffee or two in the past. Yeah. We're uh, we're here for the Harry Potter reread podcast. I was telling you the other night uh, that we had purchased the Diagon Alley lego set and it's incredible one second here i gotta show you this this is kyle retrieving the diagon alley lego set so this is uh we got olivander's wand shop olivander spoiler alert we're going to talk about him some more today he's in yeah topical that's why i figured and then the scribulus which was like hermione's hangout spot but anyway like the level of detail and some of this stuff is just incredible and i think Because I shared the Hedwig one and I feel like that Instagram post went really good. If you don't follow us on Instagram, follow us, Harry Potter Reread Podcast. Check it out. I'll probably post this, some of the detail and stuff. Absolutely, you should. It's really cool. You got Ollivander in there, all the wands. There's like a big shelf of them and you can actually remove some of the wand boxes out and stuff. So Lego's just amazing. It's super expensive, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, but now you can just uh, get um, Diagon Alley pieces as gifts every year. I have a couple similar things. Like, oh, it's hard to see, but in my corner, I have all these architecture ones that I really love to build that I get as gifts now. But downstairs in the basement, I have Lego helmets. So I have Darth Vader, I have Iron Man. Those are the two I've built. And then I have um, a Stormtrooper and Boba Fett sitting there waiting to be built and there's a couple other ones out yeah. there that go but i have the fall. uh it's fall so it's almost lego building time it's true i have the office lego set coming and i oh. we keep we keep buying all this lego and the diagon alley set is huge huge and you have more of it oh do you have the whole diagon we alley have the set? entire set there's actually oh, wow. another there's another one here as well that we just finished last okay. night kyle retrieving more lego so this is uh, the Quidditch shop, quality Quidditch supplies and the daily profit. Oh, nice. And there's even like a little, pe- like you look, there's a little attic there. There's a little mm-hmm. mouse and there's a little piece of cheese. <laughs> it's it's incredible anyway, all the detail. I'll post these, but yeah, it's four buildings like this all side to side to side. Nice. The thing is though, we're in a rental and we don't have a lot of room to be like displaying this. So we got to figure out where exactly this is all getting hung up and stuff. But anyway, I'll continue sharing this as yeah. we go along. And that's cool. I should build. I'm looking up, up I'm over my shoulder. I have some Lego brickheads of some Harry Potter characters that feels like it will be time to start building those. Summer's too busy. I don't want to rush through my Lego. I have a lot of Lego downstairs to build. So, but when I build those Harry Potter guys, I will, I'll put them up too. And that so we, has been our Lego discussion of the week. We are Lego fans. We are also Harry Potter fans. And conveniently, those things come hand in hand quite often. But today, uh, we are going to go through two chapters in our reread podcast. We are in Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. And we're going to talk about two chapters. Chapter 17, The Four Champions. And Chapter 18, The Weighing of the Wands. Although, I will issue one spoiler alert. 
there was no weighing of any wands no, they didn't weigh in the all. chapter. No. Yeah. No. Um, I'm just looking at my Lego brickheads again, and there's four characters in each of them. Oh, no, sorry. One has four, one has three. They should make a four champions Lego brickheads. That would, I, that would be sure. pretty sweet. That would I'll be. that for sure. All right, so why don't, we, why don't we start off? Let's talk the four champions. So chapter kicks off, and Harry's pretty much dumbstruck at what happened. Um, he immediately turns to, to Ron Hermione and starts pleading his in, uh, innocence. Dumbledore calls him up, sends him off to the other uh, other champions out of the uh, out of the Great Hall. Harry doesn't really know what's going on. He's uh, shock is probably the correct term of what's going on through Harry here. Uh, Ludo Bagman is ecstatic that they now have four champions and is probably extra ecstatic that one is Harry. He couldn't be happier. Everybody else, not so much. A uh, little side note, like Cedric is like strangely even keeled throughout this whole process. He's the only he one. Yes. Yeah. Um, Dumbledore asks him if he put his name in the Goblet of Fire calmly, very calmly. Harry says he didn't do it and he didn't ask anybody else to do it for him. Barty Crouch Sr. comes in and says that the rules state anyone whose name comes out must compete. Karkaroff wants everyone to put all the names back in so that each school gets two champions but that's not possible for some reason. And then Moody slash Barty Jr. arrives and tells everyone basically exactly what happened. Somebody else put Harry's name in, hoping it would be chosen. He says that the only person who did it, or the only person who should really be complaining right now is Harry, because that wasn't a kind thing someone did for Harry. They're probably hoping he dies. We learn that in order to do this, you'd have to be a very strong wizard because you'd have to put a very strong confundus charm on the goblet to make it forget how many schools are competing and that the person who did it probably entered his name under a fourth school. That's Barty's whole thing. <laughs> so no one has any good ideas as to how to deal with this, which is incredible that, to believe. So all four of them uh, will end up competing. Barty, seniors that, Barty Senior explains that the first task will be to test their daring so they will not be told what the task is and they are not allowed to accept help from teachers or anybody. Everyone departs. Harry leaves with Cedric, and Cedric asks Harry how he did it, uh, obviously not believing that um, he didn't do it himself. Harry says, tells him the truth, like he didn't do it, but kind of gets the sense that Cedric doesn't believe him. Harry's worried that no one will believe him and that Moody is right and that the purpose is so he dies. So not a great, uh, not a great feeling for Harry at the moment. Turns out that Gryffindor is actually pretty excited about this. Um, but again, nobody believes he didn't do it. Uh, Ron is especially sour in his non-believing. And that leaves Harry in a little bit of a state because he was sure that Ron would believe him. Ron is a dick. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about Ron for sure as we go through these two chapters. That's the underlying theme here. So, so basically, we have three camps of reactions to this. We have the people who think it's unfair, mm -hmm. so uh, because it is. Uh, Madame Maxine, Karkaroff, Fleur. Uh, Crumb doesn't really say anything, but he's not particularly... Crumb is very... Crazy. Yeah, no. The, you don't he really get a lot of reaction to him. You might not he understand might not what's, going. what's going on. Um, <laughs> yeah, so you have those people. You have the people who are concerned about Harry. So Dumbledore, McGonagall... Um, Moody to Moody. an extent, yeah. yeah. I mean, technically Moody, he's, he's showing concern. That's his reaction yeah. is one of concern. And then there's Ludo, who is excited. 
I guess you could, also you could throw the Gryffindors into that camp as well. Yeah, as the, being... the great the Gryffindors and Ludo are, are excited uh, for different reasons, but yes. So and then also, yeah, like you said, Snape, who just kind of shouldn't have been there in that meeting in the first place. Probably but not. He was there, and yeah, very very resentful, kind of saying Harry's untrustworthy. Harry is known loves to, to rules, yeah. loves to break the rules, so this is just it's it fits his mo, which. You have to argue when you kind of see Harry in that perspective of being a rule breaker and kind of doing things his own way. It would make sense from an outsider's perspective if you didn't know him that well that, yeah, maybe this is something that Harry would actually so, do. So here's the thing. I agree. It is does look like something that Harry would do. However, Harry is not dishonest. No, so, it's true. Um, they, like, think about back to book one. Harry tells McGonagall, that is what they're thinking, which is they think someone's going to try and steal the stone. Yeah. And when they don't get hurt, they go deal with it, right? Book two, same deal. They go to Lockhart to help him. And then he, Lockhart turns out to be a mess, but he's, they're not lying to anybody. No. Nope. I mean, he does conceal. He withholds the truth. He does but... conceal information um, from adults when he really shouldn't. That's sort of his one of his toxic traits. But he doesn't lie about it. Like, not like outright lie. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm. I now remember the quote where Dumbledore asks him if there's anything else he wants to tell him about what he should tell him about the snake talking. Yeah. But in general, he's pretty honest. He doesn't. Yeah. And that's the thing. Even if he is concealing, he's not outright lying and mis mischieving or you're deceiving rather uh, the adults in the room. And so for when he comes out and says like, I didn't do it should probably believe him think, even though he necessarily think, doesn't have the reputation for that i think dumbledore and mcgonagall like moody definitely does right like yep. definitely i think they believe him and then yeah but other those two i don't know why the students would believe him like to be fair um but it's interesting so the unfair reaction or the people who who deem it unfair i think karkarak's suggestion of two champions is a good workaround now here's my question and this is one of the things that, that really bothered me is like, why don't they just pick two more champions? Uh, I would go with the logistics of organizing the tournament. All of you are expecting you need three dragons, then all of a sudden probably finding a fourth one might have been difficult, and now you got to try and find another two more two. Yeah two more dragons yeah. for the first task i think logistically it might have just been a challenge and That's also fair. it kind of seems like that they just blatantly follow the rulings of this inanimate object and that whatever comes out of it they must follow no that more no less be bewitched. yeah yeah exactly yeah. That's, That's the other thing but it, it kind of i i don't know i maybe it seemed like to me like a logistics thing even That's though fair. i That's, i I don't disagree with you either, though. This is um, magic world. Uh, logistics should not really should be. Not we matter. talked about this with the World Cup. They, they suck at logistics yeah. because they forget they can do magic. So it, it's thing. When, when Dumbledore asks them if anyone has any other ideas, why does no one just suggest, like, Harry will just fail the first task and be disqualified? And be, yeah. I mean, we'll probably talk about that a bit more as we go through it, but, like, yeah, because it it's says like, he has to compete, but it doesn't say he has to succeed. Doesn't yeah. say he ha- doesn't say he has to try his hardest. No, they've and they could just be like, Harry, do you want to do this or not? Because if not, 
like, hey, you don't have to. Like, yes, you can go in or whatever and, and fail and then just be eliminated. That is an option here. But yeah. it that was not addressed. And yeah, no one really had any other recommendations or suggestions at that point. No. So yeah, it just sort of, everyone had a very strong reaction, but nobody came up with anything useful out of it. Like Moody was like the only, well, he was the only one contributing to it, to the, not necessarily the solution, but trying like in more in regards to the investigation of it. Let's talk about Moody a little bit then. So he explains his whole plan. I love it. I love and it. The actual had, the, the balls of him to do I that. I had forgotten that he explained the entire plan up front here. In he detail. Basically says, here's what happened. Somebody bewitched the goblet, wrote Harry's name under a forced school, and the reason they did this is because they're hoping he dies. <laughs> That's the whole plan. It's, it's right in front of your noses. People just dismiss it as mooding being moody, which just adds to the skill of the plan. Which like is this, incredible. Yeah. This is like top tier stuff here because it's almost like okay people might figure out my plan but if i tell them my plan and they dismiss it they've already dismissed that option so mm-hmm. they're not going to come back to it later no like, exactly it's great stuff it's pretty incredible that he managed to do that um <sighs> again just more brilliance by him and i think that's why we're going to keep seeing him be like a most valuable character of it because we've had instances of like villains in the past with lockhart and quirrell and and that type of thing they were dumb they were dumb though yeah marty crouch jr is actually really smart and it's it's showing here even serious last time uh, last book was not that smart the way he handled things like um yeah but Barty Crouch Jr., he is very, very intelligent. And yeah, there's also just this is great because even as a reader, you don't really like because Moody explains it, you think, oh, this could be very possible. And in the next chapter, Hermione's going to say, you know, that could really very well be it. But you never think it's Moody who is the bad guy. Like yeah. this, this really throws you off the Moody trail. Because you have no reason to believe him up until this point or even beyond this point, right? Right. Like he's done nothing really that's suspicious. I mean, another and another thing here that I think he did, it's not really confirmed at this point, but we know that Barty Crouch Jr. is controlling his father through an imperious curse to control him and his actions. And I I think this is the first chapter where we kind of start to see a little bit of that because he's super quiet and kind of like trying to stay off in the in the in the darkness not get emitted into the fire and see the light and that type of thing and avoids like going for the drink and that type of thing afterwards because i don't think he wants to get caught necessarily that he's under the curse right now and it would be a little more obvious if people were to see him either in the light trying to fight off the curse um i just it, it's interesting because even his like barty crouch's reaction to it is pretty subdued the only thing he really says is like oh we have to follow the rules but i don't feel like that's a very barty crouch-esque reaction so i think this is kind of our first signs of him being controlled right and um all he really contributes is that Harry has to compete. Exactly, right? So he is further enforcing this. 
um the uh yeah so now it's like well those are the rules because no one else knows the rules which is dumb um yeah yeah uh, that and then yeah Lu- i guess ludo we kind of touched on it again he's super excited simply entertained and thrilled i think probably a because like the publicity that this will bring and B, as we kind of know, he's always trying to help Harry along the way here. And I think he's trying to cash in on a on a big bet, given that we know about his his history, which is super sketchy when you're one of the judges and then betting on this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, not great. Not great. Ethics um, has never really been his strong suit, though, and we've known that from the get go. Right. The only thing I will add is it's not Artie Coach Jr. who has him under the Imperius Curse. It's Voldemort. Is it? Oh, yeah. my bad. I thought it was Barty Coach Jr. Yeah, no, no. So, because at one point, spoiler alert, Barty Coach Sr. had Barty Coach Jr. under the Imperial's Curse. Yes. When he was hidden at home. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Um, but yes, but... And it wasn't his... just his father, it wasn't just son getting father back? No, no, apparently it's Voldemort. Um, oh. I just I just looked that up, so we'll see if that... Okay. Because I was, I was wondering, like, how did he manage to put him under the curse and also be in the room at the same time and control both of like both people at the same time. Yeah, that's um, true. So it could be. Well, I got, I'd like to check it up, but according to the official wiki, it's Voldemort who's doing yep. it. So we'll, uh, we'll, keep okay. our, we'll keep our eyes on that. All right, we'll keep an eye out for but, that. But I mean, your point, your point remains very, very clear. Is like Voldemort wants this to happen, and, and who, this is who the better? Time, this is the first time we really start to see the impact yeah. of that. He's not the same as he was. Um, at the world cup at the world cup for sure he was much more present he was much more present a little more like uh yeah holier than thou kind of looking down on people and he wasn't scared to show it here yeah he's sauntering off in the shadows he's refusing to engage with people or stay for a drink with dumbledore afterwards which even just the way that dumbledore kind of brought up the subject it kind of seemed like that would be a casual normal thing that they Mm -hmm. would normally do that he was saying no to so and who better to enforce the rule that harry will compete in it than barty crouch i think that's a very key point of the plan that i think often probably gets overlooked Mm -hmm. okay so for me i had completely forgotten that moody just explained his whole plan yeah um that to me is the big the big forgetful takeaway yeah that and I just I kind of forgot about Fleur like Meta Maxime and has it too just their annoying English that they speak like they are saying this little boys I'll compete also and it's yeah, just it's a it, unnecessary. It, it annoys me a little bit yeah that was all that I had though otherwise like it is a fairly memorable uh chapter in regards to how they are kind of work out whether Harry should be competing or not yeah in terms of things that don't really make sense, like we, we've already talked about this, but like the fact that they don't just put the names back in to get more champions or like, and the reason that they don't do it is because the goblet doesn't work. The, the goblet doesn't work. The goblet is an inanimate object that can clearly be confunded and charmed to make it work in the way that someone else wants it to work. It shouldn't be trusted for this type of instance or this type of situation. Uh, yeah, like just pick a new way. Uh, pick a new way to find yeah. these things. Just let that, the two school heads decide. Like, um, 
that I, I yeah I just I questioned why there was no actual investigation into how this happened how they all just kind of take the word for it being like well if Harry's entered he has to enter but they're not following up why that happened in the first place yep uh, and, and also what was Snape doing in that room <laughs> Yeah, you have Dumbledore, Karkarov, Maxine, Barty, Ludo. They make sense. They're all judges. I can see McGonagall being there to an extent, given that she's vice chair, vice head of the house. What? What? what alternate head of the house? Why am I assistant head of the house? You know what she is. Yeah, she's there because she her she makes and it's her sense. student it's her and student. it's her student. Yeah, yeah. So it doesn't make like it's not like Diggory was is part of Slytherin, right? Like it doesn't make sense that yeah. So anyway, I don't know why Snape sense. was there, but yeah, because we don't they never talk about what the punishment of breaking this magical contract is because there's no way it's death. Yeah, yeah, it's true, right? They don't actually say what the punishment is or why they can't. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, the only other thing that I really came across was last week we talked about when the paper shoots up like maybe it doesn't maybe it's not the paper they put into the goblet like maybe the goblet prints it out on official goblet letterhead or whatever so it doesn't tell them the school could be yeah but even that's a that's a ginormous official goblet letterhead well that's exactly it right like if you're putting harry in unless you're just calling it hograts or something and mixing up an R and an A in the letter. But like, yeah, the fact that you don't look at it and instantly be like, this isn't Harry's school. This is invalid. Yeah, that's a good, that's, a good, that's maybe they just yeah, flipped uh, Hogwarts. Yeah. And uh, and then, yeah. Easy. But then, the yeah, all it would have taken was. <laughs> but the goblet sucks. So. There was no, no red squiggly line under that. No. the only other thing that i thought like and we're gonna get into this more next chapter as well but like this chapter next chapter we start to see harry have a lot of fear we don't normally see harry feel this anxious or alone like he's doesn't really want to enter the tournament and he's getting all like these insults kind of thrown at him this chapter but like the little boy competing He doesn't have anyone that believes him in this case either, really, or very few people. And we also just see how much experience he actually lacks compared to Fleur and Victor and Cedric, who are much older than him. There's notes of them being like, oh, they look so much taller than him. They have so much more advanced magic experience. You don't normally see the insecurities kind of come through in Harry and his thoughts, but we really see it at this point of the book, which I we thought do. was really interesting. We do. And we'll definitely talk about that more next chapter as it's explored a bit further. Mm-hmm. Any quotes that jumped out to you that you really liked? Um, so after Fleur says many people would die for the chance to compete in the tournament, Moody says maybe someone's hope, hoping Potter's going to die for it. So it's just, again, like that entire plot point of him actually just revealing what's yeah. going on is brilliant. It's good. I had two that I really liked. So one was Barty Senior when he declines uh, Dumbledore's um, drink offer. He says, "I've left. I've left Young Weatherby in charge. Very enthusiastic. <laughs> a little over enthusiastic, if truth be told. I like the. I like that. The the, the, the Percy, Percy I, I just the it's fact fitting. that he just is not is not what he's trying to do is just not working. And then 
Ron tells Harry, I'm not stupid, you know. And Harry goes, you're doing a really good impression of it. <laughs> and I, I chuckled out loud at that one. That is a good one. He has a few good uh, kind of quips at him this chapter. I think the next chapter, there's one too, where he says that he wants to give Ron a swift kick in the, and then Hermione cuts him off. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Ron some more. Least valuable character. Yeah, so he's definitely leading candidate here. He's just being a baby about mm-hmm. everything. Um, at some point, you got to believe your friend, right? Like, why, why would he be lying about it? Like, why would he lie to you about it? Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's probably why Ron is mad because he thinks Harry is lying to him about it. Um, but like, but why, why would he, he never has in the past, never but... has in the past. Um, so his reaction obviously, uh, really doesn't go, go well for Harry. Cause Harry assumes that Ron will be one of the people who will believe him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's exactly it. Like he's supposed to be Harry's best friend. He should know that Harry wouldn't lie, but yet there's like this jealousy resentment that's really getting in the way just because Ron is the one who craves the attention, the fame, the money. He wanted all those things. He showed a genuine interest in entering this contest and yeah, feels kind of jaded or upset that Harry didn't invite him along for it or that type of thing. But it's all coming from the wrong place for Ron. Yeah. So, so another couple other candidates I had here. So Snape. Uh, yeah. So he's there for reasons we can't determine. Yeah. But he also just assumes Harry is the one who does it. But at the same time, he also is someone who thinks Harry has no skills. So which, yeah, which one is it? These, yeah, uh... so that, that doesn't really track. And then Dumbledore is not great here because there are clearly other solutions here to just like you don't have to solve the problem in this second, right? Like there's no there's no time. We ha- we know that the they tell us the first tasks have like it's not happening tomorrow. Yeah, it's happening in like time. months. Yeah. So there's time to figure it out. Um, but also he brought Moody here. So he clearly doesn't think Moody is a crazy person. So shouldn't he be more open to what Moody is saying? Like maybe he is. Like this is maybe. part of the problem with Dumbledore as a character, is we don't ever see what he's thinking. Mm-hmm. But if he is believing Moody, he doesn't do anything to prevent what happens yeah right so no it's true he just kind of stands idly by and i don't know if that's a product of him like from what we know and what we gather kind of through our assumptions of Dumbledore as a character and what's kind of alluded to in the book he fought tooth and nail and fought really hard to bring the tournament back but then to watch him just be kind of sit idly by as things kind of do start to go wrong where this is an unexpected entrant into the goblet of fire you really could make a good reason or a good make it a good thought that like yes whoever entered harry in did it for bad reasons right like is he trying to back off from, is he just trying to ignore the problem 
and want things to go as smoothly as possible or yeah is he trying to work behind the scenes to prevent something and not able to it's just we don't really know what he's thinking at this point but I agree with you he didn't have to make a decision right then and there ultimately I don't know if it was going to be his decision in the end right because he's only one of three judges from the three schools whereas you have Barty and Ludo who again, are also judges, but seem to have more of a say over this. I just just think for him, and I think I will choose Dumbledore as my LVP here, because I just think rushing to a decision is the wrong decision. Wow. Okay. Yeah. No, no, I completely agree with you on that. I mean, I still don't, I still don't think it was his decision, but. No, no, but, but he was the one who. Yeah. You guess you're right. Like he did control the narrative of it. Timeline of it. Yeah. I'm not. And I think if, if they had come to this decision after multiple days of trying to figure out what to do you're then you can have that argument of it's not his it's not his choice individually but he is the one who who controlled the speed of the conversations so i just think he would have been better off um like delaying that thinking it through a little bit more yeah instead of like it's very much a knee-jerk reaction amongst everyone it's not obvious i went with ron yes yes um, I, the, I, and the, rightly so i mean to me the only reason I, I didn't go run here is i think in this chapter his a very initial reaction is a little bit understandable being upset that he felt like he was left in the dark yeah not great i don't i would hope that that would not be the case in my own life but there's like a little bit of it'd be a, like a you can kind of find some sense to it um all right, so let's flip to the MVP side. I'll, I'll list off some candidates I had first. I just hey. like the Gryffindors in general. I like that they had Harry's back. I won't choose them. McGonagall, I, I, she had like, maybe I should have just written this down as a quote I liked, but Dumbledore says tries to say at one point that he could have made a mistake with his age line, and she's like, no, stop. <laughs> you didn't, yeah. Yeah, so I, I, again, I won't choose her. So for me, it's down to two people. So... Obviously, Barty Jr. slash Moody just explaining his plan, plan and then having everyone dismiss it so that no one really goes back to it. Mm-hmm. And I also really like Cedric here because in the immediate in the immediate aftermath, he's the only one who plays it cool. Mm-hmm. And, he, and I think the reason he plays it cool is because he's not actually worried about if Harry competes because he realizes that he is a better wizard than fourth-year Harry Potter. Yep. So... He plays it cool. He doesn't really make a fuss. He asks Harry about it. When Harry, when he doesn't, when Harry Mike, doesn't tell yeah. him the answer, he thinks he doesn't make a big de- scene about it. He just, he just walks he just away. Kind of walks like, away. He doesn't necessarily believe Harry, but at the same time, yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't challenge him. He just, he goes on his way. I never thought of him as in potential for this, but I, I completely agree with that. Um, but you're going Barty Crouch Jr. I am going Barty Crouch Jr. How can you? not he's a villain obviously but how can you not like a guy who's executing a plan so perfectly and playing a character so well i don't think he knew mad eye moody necessarily very well before but the fact that he's able to play this character so well to a t that even his good friend dumbledore isn't able to tell a distinct difference or know what's going on he's brilliant he's he deserves an oscar for this for best impersonation 
Yeah. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do here. Because I really do like how Cedric um, reacts here. Mm -hmm. And this is probably not the correct way to do it. But I think I will go Cedric because I just don't think there's going to be a lot of other opportunities to reward Cedric. <laughs> it's true. And he is a really good character. Um, he still plays second fiddle, obviously, to Harry throughout this because the entire series is about Harry. But he's a very noble character he's i think it's described a little bit more in the next chapter about how there aren't really a lot of good noble characters or good things that happen to hufflepuffs and he just seems to be like a shining example above all of them like he plays a lot of those like humble loyal qualities to a t but then is just also exceptional at what he does too but he doesn't let it get to his head either but like you said, we don't really get a lot of chances to really see that in major points of views. I guess we might a little bit later on when he helps with the hints and that type of thing yeah. in the future, but... But not much. Yeah. All right. So I, I support that. All right. One more chapter to go here today. Yeah. The Weighing of the Wands. Chapter 18. So Harry's reluctantly getting up for breakfast isn't looking forward to going out there because all that attention is going to be drawn on him. But before he can even get out and get to the uh, great hall, Hermione meets him and she already has a bunch of toast with it for, for, for him. So they avoid the great hall. They go for a walk instead. Uh, she begins to explain Bronze jealousy um, and encourages Harry also encourages Harry to write to Sirius Harry eventually agrees, so he writes a note explaining to Sirius what's been going on and how he was named a champion for the Triwizard Tournament. Uh, decides to use a school owl instead as Hedwig would draw attention. This upsets Hedwig, though, so now not only is it all of his friends and stuff besides Hermione, essentially, that are upset with him, but now his best friend Hedwig is uh, they attend some classes. The Hufflebuffs seem to have a disdain for Harry, uh, while Draco and Slytherin continue to mock him uh, for being a crappy tournament champion, essentially. Uh, during this time, though, Hagrid does show some support for Harry, uh, believes that he didn't want to enter the tournament. Now we're in potions class. Malfoy and the Slytherins are wearing these Potter Stinks badges and Malfoy makes a mudblood comment towards Hermione. This sets Harry off. So he casts, they cast spells on each other and they ricochet off and they hit other students. Goyle gets some boils and Hermione's front teeth, already average, larger than the average uh, set of teeth, become even larger. I always forget about that fact in that description. Snape insults Hermione by saying that she looks the exact same with her huge teeth and class resumes. Harry's called out to meet with the other champions for a weighing of the wand ceremony and a photo shoot with the Daily Prophet. It is here that Harry meets journalist, journalist, quote unquote, Rita Skeeter, and she whisks him away for a one-on-one -on -one interview with this distracting quill that writes the embellished and fake story as the interview is going on uh Dumbledore though he interrupts it pretty quickly and they head out for the weighing of the wand ceremony which as mentioned no wands are weighed but Ollivander is there and he's taking a look at the wands and it's his job to deem that they're in good working condition for the tournament afterwards they all get their photos taken for the paper finally Harry gets down 
to the Great Hall for dinner, where he eats alone at the end of the table. Harry gets back to his dorm. Ron tells him that he has an owl waiting for him before taking off with no further conversation. It's a note from Sirius who confirms something's up, something's uh, fishy, and that Harry needs to be careful here. There's more that he'd like to tell him, though, but it would be too risky if it was intercepted, if the owl was intercepted. So he says to be at the Gryffindor common room at 1 a.m. on a night in November to chat some more. That's her chapter. Yeah. I there's a lot I think that kind of went on in this chapter we get uh, a lot more kind of reaction from everyone but let's start right at the beginning where Harry is super exposed to the world right here garnering all this attention and who is it that comes through for him but Hermione yeah I mean she right here is just the definition of what a friend is supposed to be she believes him right away she, you know, realizes that Moody's right. He's in danger. But she also goes to the effort of, like, explaining to him why Ron is upset. Yeah. And I think that's important because Harry never would have figured that out on his own. As good a detective as we're talking about that. Yeah. And, and he never would have figured it out because he would never have been, if the roles were reversed, he never would have been jealous of Ron because yeah. they don't have the same background. Um, and so that's important because now at least he knows why. It doesn't help because, because they don't have the same life experiences he thinks Ron's being even more of an idiot but Mm -hmm. she at least figured it out she also um has a quote where she says that she won't play intermediary in that um, yes uh he'll need to talk to Ron that's the only way they'll figure it out which I think is a good mirror of how Ron and Hermione ended up sort of mending their friendship in the previous book um which I never really considered until now in back-to-back books Ron is in a major fight with one of his two friends he only has two friends. <laughs> like, get, get your shit together, man. Um, I never and, thought about that. But that's actually so true. Yeah. Like, A, first of all, yeah, it's always Ron who gets into the quarrels, but then also how it reflects on the intermediary and how it, it yeah, it reflects onto the previous book. I she also, she all, Harry was not going to tell Sirius Black. Oh, no. And she's not like, a chance. You know, you have to do this. And like, so just like everything she does here is just, well, Harry's she make a mistake. She makes no mistakes. Harry's initial thought is like, "Oh, well, if he just moved closer to the school when he learned that my scar hurt, he's gonna blare his way out onto the onto the grounds of the school if he finds out that I've been in, entered into this tournament." But she's super logical about it, being like, "If she doesn't hear it, if he doesn't hear it from you, he's gonna read about it because this is obviously a big news story. It's nothing that's just gonna stay within." the school you have to imagine that a tournament like this is widely publicized widely covered by the daily prophet and that type of thing Mm -hmm. so she's logical in that um i did like that you said yeah that she wasn't gonna be like the middle person between them she kind of showed her a backbone there like she was like okay you two need to figure this out yourself i'm not gonna be spending my time or wasting my time going back and forth and delivering all these messages to each of you like grow some backbones or buck up and and figure it out. The other thing that I like is um, she doesn't question Harry at all. And it's a, it's based on that. She trusts him, but B I think she's the only one to see his initial reaction and the sheer look of terror on his face that makes her realize right away. He did not want this. And I thought that that was very, very astute. Yeah, no, that's, that's, uh, that is very, that's a, that's a really good catch, actually. 
Um, it, it really adds a lot there. I mean, there's not much else to say. She, no. she, she was good. Harry, on the other hand, I think there's, there's more to say. Like, it's just a tough go for him here now. So here's pretty oh, yeah. much the list of everyone mad at Harry currently. His best friend, Ron. His owl. Everyone else in the school who's not part of Gryffindor. So there's nowhere for him to turn for support yeah. because even the Gryffindor support, it's on, he can't really turn there because he doesn't want it because he doesn't want to be in the tournament, right? Like, so there's nothing. It's, yeah. it's the only people he feels on his side are Hermione and Hagrid. And those are good people to have on your side, but yeah, it's a lot. Dumbledore to an extent, but he's super aloof, right? Like he's not able to just go up yeah. and talk to him about what he's feeling. But yeah, you're right. Hermione, Hagrid, and if it were not for Hermione, serious at this point now. But, being but able we spend to... we we do spend a good chunk of time. This this chapter encompasses a decent amount of time, um, with no answer from Sirius. He sent his letter yeah. and he didn't get an answer until the very end. Right until like, the end. No, it's super true. He was like, well, mate, like see that a little just like a little um, disconnected from Sirius as well. I found it funny when he was even writing his letter to Sirius. Like you can still, you can tell that he's struggling to explain the anxiety that he's feeling and like kind of instead of confiding inside and Sirius and talking about his feelings, just, he's just like, hope you and Buckbeak are well, like typical man who just can't talk about his feelings and doesn't know how to address them, which I found kind of funny, but like he's super isolated and super stressed and would be super scared. I mean, they, allude to it in the chapter as well where the last time he felt like this would have been when the entire school thought that he was turning the basilisk on everyone in the second book so i mean it, it alludes to that type of stuff and the the type of isolation that he's felt before but this t- tends to feel like it's on a whole new level because at least he had his best friend ron at the time that believed him he doesn't even have that right now and say what you want about Ron, good or bad or whatever. He's a good friend to Harry. And usually, yeah, you, usually, <laughs> except for when he has little weird outbursts like this. And then we didn't even talk about this uh, yet, but there's also the Slytherins making those badges. Yes. He's just, and then he just, he lets Malfoy get under his skin. And then he ends up being the reason that Hermione has to go to the hospital wing. And because she's in the hospital wing, he has to eat dinner by himself. Like yep. he just everything is going bad for him in this chapter. There's no... Nothing looks, nothing, nothing's looking up here. No, exactly. It's a, it's a tough situation for him to be in right now. And that's, that's clearly what I think one of the main points of this chapter was, because it wasn't about the weighing of the wands. Let's be honest. Well, yeah, I guess we should talk about the weighing of the wands because that's the name of the title. Um, It's a cool scene. Yeah. Like they probably should have put this in the movie. Fleur's wand ends up shooting some flowers crumbs like goes off like a gun again putting that um trying to contrast the two the two groups of people and and harry's shoots wine which i find is interesting that is weird yeah but Uh, yeah olivander is still super creepy yeah still the same olivander that's super weird and uh, he doesn't bring like yeah again super weird in regards to how he talks about his wands you can kind of tell that he looks down on other wand makers or the makers of the wands especially victor crumbs where he's like i wouldn't do it this way or that type of thing but ultimately deems them all good to go uh harry at one point is fearful that um he's gonna bring up the fact that harry's wand and voldemort's wand are connected from the same phoenix feather 
avoids it at this point, which is probably good considering Rita Skeeter is in the room and would have made a big deal out of that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, again, our, our buddy Ollivander making a, making a quick appearance here. Yeah. Uh, there's again, there's not much going on there. It seems like, I feel like, yeah, trivial, I feel like if you're, doing, if you're doing a weighing of the wand ceremony like that, when you call it a ceremony, I'm picturing it being in front of the school and a big well, like yeah, presentation I mean, going on, but it seemed very private. Yeah. So let's come back to that in one sec. Cause I got to keep our thing. Anything in this chapter that you had forgotten? Uh, that Rita has two gold teeth. Which oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that Ollivander had made his return. So kind of two smaller things. I'm sure that there was lots of other stuff that I forgot. I had, those were the things. I had forgotten about like the quasi-duel that Malfoy and Harry had. Yeah. Um, that, I forgot about that, that as well. That in, results in Hermione getting sent to the hospital wing and Ron and Harry getting detention. That's about it. Yeah, I don't even know what their detention is going to be. It's going to come up apparently. After. It's. I think it's going to be as mentioned at the end of this chapter, where I think Ron, in their brief conversation, reminds Harry that they have detention coming up. So we'll have to see what yeah. that uh, what alludes to. Um, the only other thing, like I could bring it up here, it might come up in LVP. I don't know, but like Snape is super cruel to yeah, his I'm kids. Yeah, I talk about that. I'm okay. talk about that. All right, we'll we'll, we'll save, save that. that. We'll save that. So. The thing to me that didn't make sense the most in this chapter was this whole weighing of the wand ceremony. Yeah. A couple of things. So one, they don't weigh them. They don't weigh them. They should weigh them. They should probably weigh them if they're they going to call that the ceremony. Yeah. Number two, um, you're a school where you teach kids magic that requires their wands a lot of the time. Um, you should be making sure everyone's wand is in good working order <laughs> all of the time. All the time, not just uh, for a super dangerous contest where half the entrants have died in the past. Yeah. <laughs> and number three, why are they doing this during classes? You made this point, like, if this is supposed to be a ceremony, they should have been doing that in front of the school at dinner. Like, this doesn't need to, they don't need to yeah. miss classes for this. They have so much free time. This is a boarding school. And I, <laughs> I didn't I didn't mention this in my recap, but why is Colin Creevy the one who's interrupting potions class to go retrieve Harry for this weighing of the wand ceremony? It's I mean, weird. I'm sure you could come up with a reasonable explanation. Like, I guess so. McGonagall was in charge of acquiring the, the four candidates, whatever. I don't know. Yeah, we'll But see. it's just... This whole thing, yeah, it should have been not during class. Like, they are going to miss enough school time because of this. Let them but have he their has, classes. He doesn't have to do his finals. So, like, he's got a clear ride to fifth year, no matter what. Oh, part of that's right. Yeah. Part of the, again, I, I don't know if it was this chapter or last chapter. I think it was last chapter. It was mentioned in part of the, the rules and stuff. Be, the, yeah. Because this is so time consuming for them they don't have to do their finals interesting yeah i think he still has to pass the class but yeah yeah um did you have anything else i kind of liked that hedwig was mad at harry for using mother owl i found that funny i thought it was amusing too and then even like it shows the connection that harry has with hedwig as well Mm -hmm. where he's actually upset that is owl is upset with him yeah i'd be i'd be upset if i knew that Roscoe was mad at me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, he is. He's clearly not. No, he's very content. Um, a quote that I grabbed was from Hagrid, who says, school champion. Oh, can we uh, 
I just wanted to bring up one last thing oh, for sure. what uh, what doesn't make sense. Yeah. Is Rita Skeeter. Why are you trusting your controversial ench- entrant to go into a one-on-one interview with a reporter who has a reputation of ruining reputations with no media training whatsoever? You just send him into a one-on-one room, totally private. She can get whatever she wants out of him. He's totally not set up for this experience. Like you're yeah. setting yourself up for failure and you're not controlling the message. I mean, this is coming just from a PR person and right. kind of McGonagall reading it through. Been in there with him. Oh, it was. Yeah. McGonagall should be everywhere with him. The whole Terribly time. handled. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah. that and then like from a reporting point of view, what's the point in having a quill that is writing your biased, embellished story, but then letting the interviewee read, read what's g- going on as well? Yeah, that that bugged me as well. So there's a part in the book where she starts asking him about his fam, about his parents. Does does he remember them at all? And then the quill is writing out that he's tearing up, thinking about his parents that he hardly knew. So again, I don't really think that makes sense but no, it obviously it it's there for you should for he, it should be writing and he should not be able to read it yeah yeah and the only other thought that i had is this is the chapter where we get confirmation that fleur is indeed part vila yeah. as she has a vila hair from her grandmother's inner wand so yeah, which is kind of yeah. fun yeah yeah all right so i was gonna say the, the quote i had was from hagrid school champion i'm gonna try and do my best hagrid interpretation here School champion. Everything seems to happen to you, doesn't it? Uh, <laughs> and it's just Tiger. He's just stating the obvious. And it's like, this is not helpful. <laughs> He's not wrong, but it's not helpful. It's true, right? Yeah, like, I think that's just him trying, though, right? Yep. Like, that that's him. Um, I think you're, we might bring it up a little bit more, but, like, the quote, it's a burn that I just, I can't pass up. Um, it's Hermione's- uh, no, this is Snape. Okay. Although Dumbledore does have a good one. Um, but Snape saying uh, that Hermione's teeth, he doesn't see any difference and doesn't need to send her to the hospital wing. He's finding ways just to cut so deep into like Neville with the toads and stuff from the past one. And then yeah, so really coming into these insecurities. Let's, let's pivot right into LVP. So Snape yeah. is my top choice for LVP here. I'm not, I haven't decided quite yet, but I just, I could not move past that comment. Like, yeah. I don't know. He he is an irredeemable character. Like, it's true. Like, like the way that he's portrayed in the films and the ways he is actually in the book are two very, very different. different things. They don't put any of these things in the movies. No. Um, because if they do, you can't really redeem him. You can't. And I want to keep that in mind because they are going to try as we move forward. Um, but that's one of like it's so cruel yeah she clearly not only is she upset but like this is not good she's got hit in the face with a spell she needs to go to the hospital yeah and then like yeah she's a 13 or 14 year old girl at this point like you're going through puberty and teenagers and if you haven't gone to middle school before teenagers are mean yeah they're so mean so it doesn't help when When teachers are professor when the teachers are mean as well yeah um so other candidates obviously ron he's still yes. being a jerk his jealousy is reasonable but still doesn't doesn't make it good the reason i think i won't choose ron is he still defends hermione against snape in this chapter yeah and that's enough to move elevate him past snape and also the other character i have here which is rita 
Yeah. Um, and we'll get into more like more into her later. But her quick quill is just it's just unkind. Like yeah. And she's not really listening to Harry for the story. She's already sort of written it in her head and is just trying to get his reaction almost. Um, and to your point, like, why did she let him read it? Yeah. Yeah, so, she's she's way too nosy, unabashedly biased, rude. Like you said, she's written the story already and just is going to misconstrue whatever facts she can in order to tell the story that she wants that is going to be, quote unquote, best for the reader. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, just like, yeah, super rude to Dumbledore as well, calling him an obsolete dingbat in her story. But what I find very interesting about that interaction so what happens is Dumbledore meets up with Rita and she's like oh did you read my story about like the International Wizard Society she knows damn well that she called Dumbledore an obsolete dingbat in the story but it doesn't prevent her at all from like she just addresses it she's just kind of like yeah I called you that shameless shameless is the best way of putting it for sure Uh, I went with Rita for this Um, that was my choice I agree with you in regards to some of those other ones that could have been done there, but Ron does have a redeeming quality that there's nothing redeeming about Rita in this chapter. No, on the flip side, I think we have two pretty solid MVP candidates. So Hermione is one. We talked Mm -hmm. all about it. I don't know that we need to recap it all, but she's just the definition of a good friend here. And I just, I love the way Dumbledore shuts Rita down and he goes, I'll be delighted to hear the reasoning behind the rudeness, Rita. He just, <laughs> he just, as I guess, so cutting without with yep. being, with a, I, you just imagine he has a nice smile. He's very even keeled and he just stabs her right through. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm totally in the same boat. Like, I mean, not only the way that he just handled that situation, but I also have to assume that he was aware that Rita was probably with Harry one-on-one and went in there to break up, break it up before she kind of, got anything too juicy that she would have been able to publish so i think that that was good um but i just i can't argue with no hermione in this chapter she's so she's so aware of what's going on right from the get-go harry doesn't even need to say anything she knows that he needs i agree i i I have i've I've chosen hermione as well we we talked all about it yeah we've talked all about it and that is it for this week um two chapters this week that was kind of fun we're back to one chapter next week chapter 19 the hungarian horntail which is all about task number one we'll get to read my favorite movie scene of any movie so we'll talk about that a bit next Uh, week it's gonna be good we uh in the meantime though give us a follow at harry potter reread podcast on instagram we're posting some we're getting into the real game now yeah, uh we try it, got, <laughs> try it out i also like to post we, we had talked about at the beginning of the episode some of the diagon alley uh lego sets that i'm currently building so i'll post some of that and you can kind of see all the detail behind it too um and yeah let us know what you think otherwise you can give us some comments uh shoot us some direct messages let us know what you think of the pod yeah we'll be back next week I'm David. That was Kyle. Bye.